Welcome to Dating After Death, a podcast dedicated to the journey of finding love again after losing your forever person. And I'm your not-so-anonymous host. Over the summer, I was able to secure sponsorship from BetterHelp. And I really think BetterHelp is providing this amazing option for those of us who are so busy and frankly just need the convenience of online therapy. BetterHelp has so many great features. You have the ability to really niche down the kind of therapist you want to work with. You have access to them 24-7. There's online groups. Just the options are really exciting. And my number one priority for sponsorship for the podcast is that it be a company that is serving our community well. And I know that BetterHelp can do that. So we also have a code. So when you go to betterhelp.com slash dating after death, that's betterhelp.com slash dating after death, you'll automatically get 10% off your first month. And the prices are so good compared to so much other therapy I have looked into. I really am so happy about this. Well, you have asked and finally we are sitting down to hear from the beautiful Mira Simone, who is on Instagram at New Moon Mira. If you are in the grief community, you are very familiar with Mira's work, I'm assuming. And if you're not, you should definitely be following her. She is really one of the voices that leads the way in raw, honest, authentic grieving. And she does so in a way that invites you into her reality. And I feel like gives me permission to grieve the way I need to grieve. In watching Mira, I feel like we have become very close friends, even though before this interview, we had really only spoken to each other a few times, I think, but she just is able to make that connection with you that makes you feel like you are right there with her. If you're listening to this podcast and you're not yourself a griever or don't follow Mira on Instagram, her story is one of a cancer journey, losing her great love and raising their daughter. And it is both heartbreaking and a testament to the strength of the human spirit. I really just deeply love Mira and I'm sure you do too or will after this interview. So here we go. Oh, okay. Mira, I'm so excited we're doing this. Me too. You are my number one most requested guest. Oh my gosh, no. (laughs) Yes, you are. Like from the very beginning, everybody has been like, when are you interviewing Mira? Oh my God, people are going to be so disappointed. (laughs) No, they won't. My dating stories are not that exciting. (laughs) That's okay. This is so much more than that. All right. So I feel like most people who are listening are going to know a lot about Brian already and you and Brian, but can you give us like a high level overview of your life with Brian? Yeah. So we, we had such a beautiful meeting. We literally just both went out to a bar to this dance party, actually. And we were both kind of dragged out by our friends and didn't really want to go. And I remember just walking in and it's this iconic Toronto bar, music venue, club, whatever you want to call it. And the event was called Turning Point. And it was this in a world music dance night, all different ages, super cool. Awesome. And I remember just walking in. Yeah. And then I I walked in and like he was right there. It was just like I walked in and he was so tall and he was just standing there. And there are these giant lanterns hanging from the ceiling all around him. And I was just like, oh my gosh, who's that tall, beautiful man? <laughs> and then we kept looking at each other and kind of being mm-hmm. cool. 
anyways, my friend ended up being like, that tall man's looking at you. And she went over and was just like, tall man, Mira, Mira, tall man, and ran away. (laughs) That was kind of, that was it. Like we just sort of started talking and- She didn't know him? No, she didn't know. She was just like, I'm going to introduce you too, even though that's adorable. That's a good friend. A hundred percent. We would always joke, her name was Chelsea. And we would always joke, oh, we should name, we should name our kid Chelsea (laughs) because- We didn't, but we were, we were like, we owe everything to Chelsea, you know, like she so she did that because we were both looking at each other, but we were both shy and, you know, and yeah, yeah. And so then we, we got together that night and yeah, we fell fast and hard and it was just, I'd, I'd had other boyfriends before, but I'd never really felt like that before. And yeah, it just felt like this is what love is. Oh my gosh, Mm. it's real. You know, that feeling of just falling for somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And and we were together for pretty much exactly seven years, almost to the day. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we had a beautiful baby together, Davida. She's six now. We just complimented each other so well. We were just so, so well suited for one another. And when we were together, I built a company and he was with me through that. That's something I've been thinking about a lot recently because I'm building another company now. And it's, you know, the parallels are so extreme because when I started building, I was fresh, pretty, pretty fresh out of school when I met him. And I was the week I met him actually was the week I launched my company. And I remember meeting oh him gosh. and like, what do you do? And I'm like, I just launched a company like two days ago. You want to go to our website? <laughs> and I you know, and and so I built this company with him and he was there with me so much. Like he did all the music for our promotional materials. He was lugging my shit everywhere all the time. He helped me out. Mm. So dropping me off, picking me up, just hearing me talk through like that whole company was built with him. And yeah, I don't even know. Mm. Our relationship was just, it was so, he was such a a huge support to me in every possible way. Like he was my number one fan and I was his number one fan. Mm -hmm. I'd never been in a relationship like that. That was just so, I just feel like with Brian, there was such a sense of him wanting me to be the best version of myself always. No jealousy. He was just always everything. It was, he walked through the world with such integrity Mm. to be his partner was such a privilege and he was funny and he cooked me a lot of good food oh my gosh (laughs) and we kind of shared this balance of like city life country life so we'd go back and forth and he was building a log cabin in the woods using hand tools oh my gosh yeah i know so he was sort of like really kind of sexy rugged yeah but also you know we lived in the city and it was like we both kind of bridged both worlds in this really unique way I think and when we had our daughter it was like actually there's a a really good friend of his who I'm also really good friends with and she sent me a voice note the other day and she was crying and she was just like I was just thinking about how much Brian changed when you guys had Davida. And mm-hmm. like, I just thought I, 
it's one of those things that like you think and you assume everyone knows, but it's like, I want to say this to you because it's all of us and our group of musician friends. We were all talking about it. Like we were all like, have you seen Brian? It's like, he can't, he's a perma smile. His Aww. eyes are always lit up now. It's like, it was like, he finally realized, oh, this is what life is actually about. And like his purpose came out at that point. And like, she was crying as she was saying it. And like, I feel like yeah. I'm never- now because it's just like it's so sad that that they only had three years not even three years yeah of that but she was just like but at the same time I just wanted to say and she's saying this to me she's like I just want to say thank you so much for giving him that because Mm -hmm. we only had it for three years we all could just see what an amazing part of his life that was and he wouldn't have had that if he hadn't met you so I'm so my gosh He's like bawling and I'm bawling. And <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so beautiful. I mean, God. as an outsider watching the things you post, and to me, it looks so much like, you know, just this storybook love affair. And I don't know, maybe it's because of the way like you talk about literature too. And it just feels to me like the two, the three of you, the first, the two of you, and then the three of you sort of just embodied this like, really holistic way of living and loving and you were just all in you know not like caught up in I mean I'm sure everybody is to a certain extent but it really seems like you've somehow skirted getting caught up in the busyness and the noise of life and just like had each other from the outside that's how it looks it looks so beautiful and dreamy Oh, yeah. I mean, that was Brian. He was really good at that. He was really, he had such a way of being able to step back from all of that, from the pressures, from the busyness, you know, it came very naturally to him. And I think I relied on that a lot. And I've really Mm -hmm. noticed since he's, since he's died that it's like, oh, I kind of took, there's so many things I feel like I took for granted. And I was like, this is just us. We're this way. And then it's like, navigating okay what parts of us were you know his influence that I relied on so much and if I want to keep those parts of me that were born through being with him it's like I have to then intentionally keep those things alive in me what I found it's been certain ways that I've fallen back into old patterns from before we were together Hmm. things about myself that I thought oh like I thought I was pretty anxious earlier on in my life, like in my earlier twenties. And then I was like, Oh, now I'm not anxious anymore. And now I'm like, (laughs) no, that was Brian. Mm. That was his calm influence. That was, you know, I relied on that. So I, you know, our relationship wasn't perfect. Our life wasn't perfect, but yeah, it it really felt meant to be for sure. I think that's also a really beautiful statement about the power and impact of a good relationship and partnership in life. Just like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like we get sort of caught up in wanting to be everything for ourselves and we can really get so much from other people and, you know, and like you can be a whole person and getting things from other people. I think that's just something I'm always sort of struggling with is like this dichotomy between independence and partnership and how they work together you know yes totally and it's so much more complicated after you've been widowed because it's like okay so these were the things that I kind of took for granted about being in a partnership Mm -hmm. and now I'm alone and 
you know, where does that leave me now? Do I want to do that again with somebody else? Then what if they die? And what if I again, mm. these things, maybe I need to just be whole on my own so that I don't yeah. ever go through that level of pain again. Yeah. But do I want that? Like, I loved that part of us that were intertwined and I do want that again. So it's this, it's a real push and pull. It's yeah. hard. I'm still working through it for sure. Totally. Okay. So you said when DeVita was one, he yes. discovered a mole. Yeah, it was. So he, he pretty much always had a beard and he knew that he had this mole on his cheek from when he was a kid. It was, had been there forever, but it was always covered up. And so, yeah, he just started kind of noticing it. Like he said, oh, I can feel it kind of. Hmm. And um, so he went to the dermatologist and he was like, yeah, I can kind of feel this mole and it itches and it feels weird. And they were like, oh yeah, we'll remove it and we'll biopsy it for you. And so they removed it and then they called him the next day. Um, and I remember he picked me up from work that day and we were in the car together and he was just sort of out of nowhere. He just kind of turned to me and was like, so that mole that I had biopsied is melanoma. Mm -hmm. and I, I didn't really know much about melanoma. I knew it was cancer, but I didn't know really that it's like, it's the worst kind of skin cancer. And it's, yeah. it's the one that kills people. And not always. And still at that point, I was like, okay, well, they removed, we'll just remove it. And that's it, right? It's just skin cancer. You remove it and that's it. And then he was like, it was, oh my gosh, I forget now. I feel like it, I think it was like 5.7 millimeters deep or something like that. It was something really, really. And he was like, the dermatologist told me she'd be really concerned if it was one millimeter deep. <gasps> I was like, oh shit. Okay. Yeah. And even so, I was like, in that moment, I remember I was just like, don't act scared. Don't give in how mm -hmm. you have to just be strong right now. So I was just sitting there in the car and I'm just like, it's fine, honey. It's going to be fine. You're so healthy. It's going to be removed. We caught it. It's going to be gone. Let's just do yeah. whatever we have to do. It's going to be fine. And I was in denial. Um, but I remember that night I went to the bathroom and I remember like sitting on the toilet in our bathroom and like Googling in secret, like mm. 5.8 millimeters deep. And it was like this, the chances of it being stage four, which is pretty much incurable are high. And I was like, I think that was the moment when I was like, oh my God, what? Mm. And like, really that was the moment that everything was turned around. But the actual story of what happened is, you know, there were ups and downs, like, I won't get into it too much, but basically we, we felt like we had a miracle because after that initial us finding out that it could be really bad, um, he had to have like scans of his whole body, yeah, nodes, everything. And they were just like, it's crazy. It hasn't spread anywhere. This is amazing. It's like for, um, they call it a tumor when the mole is that deep. They're like, for a tumor that large with melanoma, it's so unusual. And so, of course, we were like, oh, it's because we're so healthy and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. Thinking, we whatever. did it. <laughs> yeah, we're so great. And then um, they did suggest that he get a surgery on his face to kind of take out all the skin around and under where the mole was mm. because if it was going to spread anywhere, that's where it would usually spread first. So they're like, just to be safe, let's take all that out. And then we can test all that skin to see if it even had started spreading to the skin around yeah. and the tissue around. And so we had this big surgery and 
it went really well. He was amazing. And then they called us back in and they were like, it didn't even spread to any of the skin. This is wild. And we were so, we were on the line. Like we literally felt like this is our next, our next chance at life. Like we'll never take anything for granted ever again. And we're just, you know, everything's so amazing, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um, And then, yeah, he was fine. And that was it for 18 months. And then 18 months later, he started feeling sick, like a flu Mm -hmm. and and, and it progressed quickly. Like he was in bed all the time. He was in so much pain. His back was hurting his spine, his legs, like everything. He was, he was just in so much pain all the time and so tired. And he was not, he was not ever sick at yeah. all. So he was super healthy and energetic and a runner and everything. And yeah. And then um, he went to the doctor and she was like, you should, you should have a scan and I remember being like, why? Why would he need a scan? Yeah. And and like that's when I started to be like, oh, I hadn't even thought about the fact that it could come back. It wasn't yeah. even an option in my mind. I, no one ever told me that was a possibility. And because you felt like it was gone. Exactly. We yeah. thought it was gone. So then – he went in for a scan and like the next night they sent us an email and they were like, log in to your my health login, la la la, mm-hmm. whatever. And it's like 8 p.m. on a Thursday night or whatever. And we log in and they're like, you I remember and I remember Brian logged in and he was just like, oh shit. And I was just like, what? Like I could hear it in his voice. I was like, what? And he's like, it's melanoma. And they tell you that through my chart. Yeah. <laughs> nice. And they're listing all the places that it is. And it's like, it's in your kidney. It's in your gallbladder. It's in your spine. It's I mean, in this deserves body. at least a phone call. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. And then they send you a separate one and they're like, oh, and on top, it's in your brain. <gasps> in yeah. email? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, mm. I know. I have so many thoughts about that, I know. which I'm sure you do. I, I know. It was so, it was the worst. Anyway, so then, and yeah, he he died seven weeks after that. Wow. And so it was dramatic. In those seven weeks, were you in the mindset of, okay, this is end of life? And, or were you sort of still like fighting it, the cancer and the reality? Yeah. So we went to see the oncologist pretty much right away. And the oncologist was like, I thought they were going to say like, I was just praying all, all like there, I think there were a few days before we went in and I was praying, please don't say there's nothing you can do. Please don't say there's Mm -hmm. nothing. Like that's all I was just praying, praying, praying. And we went in because that was what I was scared of. But we went in and it was almost like he was the opposite. He was like, I'm so, I'm so hopeful. I really feel like our treatments can work. And I was like, even when it's this spread everywhere. And he was like, yes, the treatments are so great and da, 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 da. And we know this guy was really, really, really hopeful and none of the treatments worked at all. But nobody ever really said to us, get ready. He's going to be passing. It was always like, well, try something else. And don't worry, if this doesn't work, there's always something else. And there's always clinical trials and there's always this. So it was like the doctors were saying one thing, but then 
at the same time, I could see with my eyes and with my gut and my intuition could feel that he was dying. Yeah. And, and I knew he was dying. Like I did. And looking back now, I'm like, I knew, yeah. I knew. And he knew, but because we were so busy and it was mm -hmm. such, because he was dying, he was literally in the end stages of cancer, but we were still in the treatment battle you know, so on the one hand, it's like we're they're like come into the hospital every day, you know, sit here, wait for your blood work, then go down here and do this scan and do that treatment and do this and do that and do that. But we're really at end stage of life when really yeah. a cancer patient should be in palliative care, right? Mm -hmm. So it was just such a struggle to just get him to those treatments. And I have so much still left to unpack about that because really we were robbed of the time to really process it together, which I think yeah. would have really helped me if I'd been able to process some of it with him. Yeah. And then it was only about six days before he died that they were, they were like, he's dying and he's, you know, get ready for the end now. Yeah. By that time he was, you know, really close to the end of life. So there wasn't a ton of time for us to process together. Like there yeah. are some cancer widows. Yeah. Oh, Mira. So did you have any of those conversations about the future? Like those things people say they really wish they would have had a chance to talk about? Not really. We, I had lots of time, not lots, but I had a few days when I could say what I needed to say. Mm. And I was just like, I'm trusting that you can hear. And I think he could. And like, mm -hmm. he would eyes and be like keep going and listening yeah like he was really like get it out you know yeah. and so like there were things I wanted to say like so I really feel grateful that I had that opportunity even though I feel like we can still do that afterwards too and, yeah. and I believe that they can still hear us and that it's still worth you know it's like he was he was in that realm in between both worlds at that point anyways yeah but I feel like it was helpful for me that I was able to say the things I wanted to say. Yeah. And I was able to tell him the things I wanted to tell him about, you know, how much I appreciated him and how, you know, I would keep his memory alive and how much I loved him. And mm. um, it, that was great. <laughs> I mean, it was horrible, but it was, yeah. I'm grateful for it. But in terms of us really being able to have those conversations, like, it wasn't really there. I remember at one point he said something like, promise me you'll sell. So he had a music studio with like a ton of gear. And he was yeah. like, promise me you'll get my friends to sell all that gear and use the money. Oh, wow. And just like use it to do whatever you need to do. And I'm so glad he did because it was hard. Like that studio was his dream. And I could have seen myself hanging on to some of that gear and be like, well, maybe Davida will use it one day or maybe yeah. I'll use it for blah, 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 whatever. And so that was really helpful because we didn't have life insurance. So that yeah. was really, really helpful. So I'm glad he said that. And then he also told me, because when he started his treatment, we had taken some of his sperm, a sample of his sperm. Like the doctors were like, are you thinking of having another kid? And I was like, yes. And, and they were like, well, we're going to take you know, if you want to do a sperm sample in case he's on this treatment for a long time, because you can't get pregnant when you're on the treatment. Yeah. We weren't really thinking about die him dying. But then I remember the one other thing he kind of said to me about the future was like, 
so do you think you're going to use that sperm? Mm -hmm. (laughs) I was like, I don't know, right? I don't want to think about that. Like I, that, I don't know. I don't know. And he's like, okay, I just want to tell you that you do what you need to do, do whatever you need to do. Like if you want to use it, use it. That's fine. If you don't want to use it, don't use it. Don't worry. So like Mm -hmm. that was a good thing. And he just said that out of nowhere. So I'm so grateful. Do you think about using it? I think I did earlier on more so when I was, so we were about to start trying for a second when he got sick. And so I was in that zone of, okay, I'm ready. I want a second. Davida was almost three. I was like, this is the perfect timing. I really want another baby. And so that was a huge part of my grief early on when he died. Mm -hmm. That was one of my biggest things was like, not only am I grieving him, but I thought I was, this is when I thought I was going to be getting pregnant. And then when, this is when I would have had that baby. This is when, because I really thought I would get pregnant right around that exact time that he got diagnosed was when I was envisioning us getting pregnant. Yeah. And we'd been talking about it. And then he was like, I don't think this is a good time. I feel off. And I was just like, you're just making excuses. (laughs) (laughs) He wasn't. Yeah. He was like, I have a bad feeling. I don't think this is a good time for us to get pregnant. And I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Anyway, so, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That's a big question. Yeah, I don't it's know. It's a huge question. I don't know. It's good. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Yeah. So this is like the awkward thing about having um, a dating podcast is like, that's such a beautiful story. And I want to talk to you all day about that. But now we have to transition into talking about your sex life. <laughs> that's widowhood though, right? Like we can yes. do that. Like in one hand, I'm always holding this crazy trauma and, you know, tragic story. And then in the other hand, I'm like, but I'm alive. And yeah. And yay! Thanks. <laughs> totally. Yeah. So, as you probably know, your grief chats with Dana are essentially the catalyst for why I do this podcast in Run the Page. I watched a few of those and, like, you know, just listening to you girls chat. Also, like, you were so cute because you were both like, we brought our cocktails because this is so <laughs> awkward. <laughs> So anyway, I just like, I know maybe some people have heard from you sort of on this topic a little bit, but yeah, I would love to just hear like kind of what it was like right after, and then we can jump into where you are now too. Yeah, sure. So I feel like my dating, my dating experience as a widow is so weird. It's all over the place. It's such a strange trajectory. I guess there's no normal. Yeah, that seems pretty right on. (laughs) Yeah. So before I met Brian, I kind of feel like I was really kind of insecure sexually. Like I had other boyfriends, but I feel like it was through my relationship with Brian that I really kind of developed a confidence and a sense of self in that way and was kind of like sexually liberated through being with him. Yeah. And I think when he first died, I had this fear that I would retreat back into who I was before. Mm. And I, I had other relationships, but I always felt sort of, I guess, insecure about that part of myself for some reason. And so quite early on, like I'd say, I think it was about four months after he died, 
I was just like, I know myself, I need to go on one date. If I don't pull this bandaid off now, I feel like I'm just going to never do it. Mm. And I was like, so in such deep grief and so much shock, but I was like, I'm just going to go on a date. I need to go on a date. And I'm just, I was like asking the universe and Brian, I'm just like, send me a person and go on one date with just so I can get out there and do it. And then have that <laughs> done. It was almost like I was just in a crazy shock and I, I don't even know what I, I think everybody was like, what is she doing? But <laughs> I, I would tell everyone too. I'd be like, and you can't say anything and I'm going to date. So I downloaded a dating app and pretty much right away I connected with this guy and he was exactly what I was looking for. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, I dropped the window bomb right away and his response was great. He was just like, I'm so sorry you know, I haven't been through something like that. So I don't know what it's like, but I would, I would love to just be there and support you in whatever way you need. And mm-hmm. I think it's amazing. And, but, but he did also say, do you think you're ready to date again? Oh, he <laughs> He's like, how long has it been? Four months. Are you think you're ready? And I was like, I remember being like, I think I'm ready to go on one date. Good. That's such a good response. And that's exactly what I was ready for. Okay. I really appreciate you saying this because I think I get a lot of messages from women who are like, I I told him about the widow thing or whatever. His response was not perfect, right? Maybe something like that. Like, do you think you're ready? And like, I understand we want a perfect response and we definitely don't want judgment, but also like, I, it sounds like you did just a great job just being like, this is what it is and yeah. you get to control it. And like, of course we want compassion, but it's a hard place for people to be, to know the right yes. thing to say. Totally. Especially when you drop it out of nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> like, I, no, I do not. I was fine with that. I was just like, I'm ready for one date, you know? Yeah. And and he was like, I'm okay. Go. <laughs> and I was just so grateful that he was willing to do it. <laughs> <laughs> to do it or to go on the date? <laughs> we did not do it. Um, but that's so funny that you should say that. Because I remember the, the first night I met Brian, we did do it. <gasps> and did? in the morning, he kept being like, we totally did it last night. We did it last night. And we'd be like, are you 12? Like, <laughs> And he was so cute like that. Like he was just like, I can't believe we did it. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's adorable. Because I was like, anyways, with this guy, um, yeah, I had even I asked Brian, I was like, I was like, send me a sign if I'm supposed to go on a date with this guy. Like something's gotta happen that feels special. Cause I don't know. And then literally the next day, I'm out doing groceries and I get a text from him, the guy, mm-hmm. and he's like, are you on Ronsi right now with a big orange bag? And I was like, yes. Oh my God, it's me. And he's like, yeah, sorry. I'm not trying to be creepy, but like I just biked right by you. Oh my gosh. I was like, oh my God, that's crazy. Okay, let's go on this date. (laughs) He was really cool. He was an artist actually. And then he texted me like a little sketch that he'd done of me on the the street with my bag. Oh my gosh. Really cool. Yeah. And so we had a great date. We talked. It was like, really great conversation. And he was right off the bat, he was like, you know, I don't really know what I'm looking for. I travel a lot and I really don't want kids. So I'm never going to be in a relationship with someone with a kid. So right away it was like, this isn't a relationship. Obviously I have a 
and I'm an only parent. No one else. I'm it's me and this kid. We're a package. Um, and he was like, you know, I kind of feel in life that sometimes we, people come into our lives and it's not necessarily for a long time. Sometimes they serve a purpose that's shorter. And I think you can have really meaningful connections with people for a day, a week, a month, years, a lifetime, sometimes yeah. all over the place. And I was like, yeah, that's, yeah, okay. And so we just had this one date and it was really nice. And we talked about really deep stuff and we laughed. And um, at the end of the mm-hmm. night, I walked home and he was like, cause he lived close to the bar and he was yeah. like, I don't have sex with anyone on the first date. And I was, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> I was just like, no, that's okay. Um, and then he was like, but maybe we could kiss. Oh my gosh. I remember being like, in my mind, I was silent for an inappropriate amount of time. Just kind of like, uh, and then I was just like, okay. And he kissed me and it was so, um, it was really bad actually, because I had this strange reaction where it was like, all of a sudden I remembered that the last person that I kissed was Brian and Mm. that he said when I kissed him. And it was like, I went out of my body and I was looking down and I saw us kissing and I was just like, what is happening? Why is that man eating my face? <laughs> <laughs> and I was so, I was just like freaking out. And then I know, and I, and then I, and I, but it was literally like, I was outside of my body looking down. Yeah. Full on trauma response was not ready for that at all. Yeah. And then I was just like, okay, got to go. Bye. And I ran away and I ran all the way home. And this is like 2 a.m. running. It was like a 20 minute run. I ran oh all gosh. the way desolate, you know, 2 a.m. Toronto streets through some kind of sketchy areas, <laughs> sobbing, just sobbing my eyes out. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I remember coming home that night and being like, I did it. Okay. I did it. It was like so intense and mm-hmm. it felt like maybe it was too soon, but then I did it and it was like, I processed another layer of that, which I think was really helpful. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's kind of what you were looking for, right? Just to like have the experience to get that out of the way the first time. It was so intense though. And interesting because to his point about people serve a purpose in life, here we are talking about him on the podcast. Exactly. I mean, he was the first person I kissed after Brian and the first person after Brian died who, who looked at me and didn't feel sorry for me. And Mm -hmm. just, you know, because that's the thing is like, I remember being on that date and being like, he's not looking at me with pity. He's, he's looking at me like he's interested in me. And oh my God, that was life giving. Yes. Okay. I'm having the most interesting realization. And like, I try not to talk too much in these interviews because I really want it to be about you, but I have to tell the story. So yeah. the, the first guy that I kissed after my husband died had that has the same exact theory. And he like, when it became sort of clear that we weren't going to be like ever really a thing, he didn't believe in monogamy. So I knew right away, like yeah. not for me. But anyway, like when things started winding down with he and I, he said the same thing to me. Like, I really believe people come into your life for a purpose and they serve it for a time. And then, you know, you kind of come in and out of people's lives. And he's like, I think we've served the purpose in each other's lives at at this point. 
And now yeah. I'm like listening to you and I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> like maybe those people were put there to serve yeah. that purpose and they had the wisdom to know like really? this wasn't supposed to be something big, but it was huge. It was huge. Yes, exactly. And I'm glad that he wasn't somebody that I was like, I want to be with you forever because, you know, I was able to just with my, the way that my process was, I was able to do that big thing, rip that bandit off, have that yeah. reaction and then go away from it and process it. Mm -hmm. And come back to dating again with that, that being done like that to me was, I don't know, whatever. That was my weird rhythm of it. Yeah. It's like making me emotional. Just thinking about like the yeah. way that, you know, how, however you think about it, the universe or God or whatever works to like put these things into our lives to sort of move us along and how you, yeah. you and I had such similar experiences in that. And well, life is so wild. I know it. It really is. <sighs> okay, moving on. <laughs> um, okay, so after that guy, we did stay in touch for a little while, but it just, yeah, it just it clearly wasn't meant to be. Like he was traveling, then I was traveling. Yeah. It just, yeah, and then it kind of fizzled out. Yeah, I didn't date again for another four months or so. So this is now about eight or nine months after Brian died. Yeah, I kind of started to feel again like. I think I'm ready to kind of go a little deeper with the whole dating thing and try again and see mm -hmm. what it feels like. And again, I was like, no expectations. Although I did in the back of my head have this idea that I was going to meet my chapter two around the one year mark. I always mm -hmm. had, this, I think it's because I, I uh, listened to the audiobook of Nora McInerney's um, book. Oh, yeah really early on in my grief, like really early, right away, pretty much someone was like, listen to this. Yeah. And I was like, that's going to happen to me. And it was like this thing I held on to was like, it's going to be a year of hell. Mm. I can handle a year of hell. This is how I got through grief, that early grief, at least. Yeah. And I was and then at the one year mark, I'm going to meet my chapter two. And it's, of course, it's still going to be hard. Of course, I'm always going to be grieving but then I'm still going to be able to have another kid and all these things. Right. I had this idea yeah. I'm get pregnant right away. Like she did. And we're going to have a blended family and da, 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 da. Yeah. So I did have a little bit of an expectation, but when I started dating again at eight months, again, I was just like, let's just see where this goes kind of thing. And so I dated quite a lot around sort of nine months, 10 months, 11 months, like just before the one year mark, I was dating a few people. All online. No, um, no, not all online. I did go online again and I did date somebody online for a little while, but then I also, it just seemed like when I opened myself up to it, it seemed like these different opportunities came to me. Like one of actually somebody who was Brian's friend who we were never really friends, but he and Brian were really good friends sort of prior to us, to Brian and I meeting. And so I always knew Brian spoke so highly of this person, but he wasn't a big part of our life together because he was married and he lived in a different country for our whole relationship. So I met him a few times, but it was always like, oh, he's in town, let's say hi or whatever. But I yeah. didn't know him well. It was kind of nice because I knew, I just knew Brian loved him so much. And there was something so nice about just knowing that he would vouch for him. Yeah. Which was really cool. And so we dated for a little while. And then I ended up meeting another widow in a grief group that I did. Mm -hmm. 
I remember like I walked past because it was like DeVito was in an, a kid's grief group and I was in the adult one and they were beside each other. And I remember walking past my room to drop her in her room and I kind of looked in and he was the only person in there. He was early, which now that I know him, I'm like, of course he was. And he was just like <laughs> sitting there in the room facing the door kind of like on his own. And I was like, oh my gosh, there's a handsome man in my grief group. <laughs> like, I, and I was just like, like, this is the moment. <laughs> I, I definitely, and I don't know if it's me looking back now, but in that moment, I, I remember being like, I feel like I remember being like, something's going to happen between me and that guy. I just felt like, oh my God, there was something like yeah. about him that I felt. And so we, yeah, so at this time I was sort of dating a few people and still grieving really hard. And like the one year was looming and that was crazy, but he and I became really good friends. And then we ended up dating for a while. And so I remember thinking, oh my gosh, it's ha- the Norm McInerney thing is happening to me. <laughs> it's happening Cause he's like, fellow widow, you know, such an amazing person. And we met in this way where we were in this grief group together. So the whole piece of like, are they going to be comfortable with my loss? Will they be a little more space for my loss? That was kind of already known and part of our friendship. And then it started to develop into something deeper. Yeah. And I, I had this widow party where I invited all these widows over to my house and we had, you did. No kids allowed. We're going to all get drunk. We're going to have really good food. It's going to be amazing. And <laughs> that sounds like fun. It was so fun. This is all right before COVID too. Oh and so, my gosh. Yeah, it was. that was like a fun phase when I was, you know, starting to have feelings for this widow man and then, you know, dating other people and having these parties and also grieving so hard at the same time, like just, yeah. so, it was all so much, so many high emotions. Yeah. And then COVID hit and that kind of complicated things. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't really know how much to get into because it's like me and this man are still really good friends. He's one yeah. of my best friends. And a lot of what happened was me feeling very griefy and suffocated and like I needed to be alone. And I'm still sort of like two and a half years later, kind of trying to unpack why I felt that way and what Mm. that meant. But all I know is COVID hit and all of a sudden it was like our worlds got really small yeah, and there wasn't anything to do and we're both only parents Mm. and it just felt hard. And yeah. And then it was also complicated by the fact that my, my dad was like really not doing well at the time and pretty much until he passed away, which was a year and a bit ago, mm-hmm. it was like this kind of thing where if my parents were kind of like, if you want us to be, you know, part of your life and part of DeVita's life and helping you out and stuff, it's like, I kind of need to, needed to be super isolated. Yeah. As a COVID, like that was so it was a tricky thing to navigate. Oh, I'm sure. So that sort of answers that question. Cause I was going to ask you, like, did you consider doing a pod with him and his child? Yeah. And we did kind of at first for a little while we did. Okay. 
but we'd only been on like one actual date. At oh, that. wow. So it was really early on into our friendship developing into something more. And so it was just such a stressful, strange environment. It was also like right after the one year of Brian dying. And then he was in even earlier grief than me. So we Mm -hmm. met when he was in very, very early grief. And I think that was also looming for me where I was like, you haven't really had a lot of time to be in this. And he was sort of like, I know, but you know, sometimes things happen. It different times that you don't expect it. And I don't want to throw away an opportunity because it's like been too little time. But now that we're really good friends and we'll talk about it sometimes, he's like, you were right. You know, it Mm. was, we met when his wife had been dead for two months. So it was, it was early on in his grief for sure. I'm so grateful that we've maintained such a strong friendship. Like he's literally one of my closest friends. We kind of talk about it and it's just like, I don't know, but I, it was, you know, I felt like I, I really needed to then take a step back from dating. And I did, Yeah, I didn't date at all for like two years. And I was really, and I, I, this isn't everyone's journey, obviously. And I think lots of people, this, this isn't their experience, but for me, it was like, I needed at that point to go inwards Mm -hmm. and kind of like we were saying at the beginning of the conversation, it's like this dichotomy of you know do you have to work on yourself or can you do that in partnership yeah you know it was like I dated for a while and then I was just like I need to go back to me now and take a break from all of this I didn't expect it was going to be two years I thought I'd take a break for like one year or maybe six months or something yeah but it ended up being two years that I basically didn't date and I was just in a different zone. It just, it, it wasn't something that I was looking for. I just, I wanted to focus on myself. Yeah. So um, is there, will he listen to the podcast? I don't know. See, I tried to talk to him yesterday and it's his fault because I texted him yesterday. I was like, can I talk to you? It'll, it won't take long. I just have to ask you something. And he did not answer me. So <laughs> I, I wanted to be like, can I talk about stuff? And yeah, so I don't know. I okay, don't know. So he's not like a social this? person at all. He's not on, he probably, he probably won't. I don't know. Okay. Do you feel like there's still chemistry or maybe sexual tension or something with him? And could you see yourself being with him? Yeah. I mean, we talk about it. Like we talk about it openly. Wow. And That's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. We're really good friends and he's a very open, open person. And I think there, I, I don't know. I really don't know. And I, I think he doesn't know either. And I think we, you know, part of, part of it is we become such good friends yeah. and that's really valuable to me. Like I truly feel that we are in each other's lives. We are meant to be in each other's lives. And we've actually both had sessions with mediums where the mediums have like said that specifically, hmm. which is wild. Yeah. Um, that we're meant to be in each other's lives and providing the support. And I really do feel that way. And so, I don't know. I think there's always this assumption like, okay, then it has to be a relationship. And it's like, well, actually so much value to us being really, really good friends too. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't know. I think time will tell. And also, so pretty much since the spring, I've been testing out the dating waters again and trying to ha- just be lighter about it and have more fun. Like I think earlier on when I was dating, I was like, 
I think in the back of my mind, I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to meet someone. I'm going to have a chapter mm-hmm. two. I'll have a second baby. Like that was in my mind. Whereas now I'm, I'm much more like, I am okay being on my own. And again, this is my journey. It's not, you know, yeah. this is for me. And it's like, I, I don't feel that feeling of desperation to yeah. have that again right now I'm sort of and I was really inspired I listened to your episode that you did this season when you were talking about kind of this different type of maybe like more unconventional relationship or it doesn't have to be this like perfect story of we blend our families completely and it's like everything's like we're just the Brady Bunch now you know it's like there's so many different ways to do this and I think there's no right and wrong and so I've been trying to be more light about dating recently and just kind of like having fun with it and yeah. part of me so I'm enjoying that and I don't know I don't even know what I want at this point still I don't know if I want yeah I'm just kind of winging it <laughs> I love that it, yeah and like I feel like that is so helpful too to go in not knowing what you want because every person that you might date could bring something different or open your mind to something different exactly you know? It's just like a wild world out there and (laughs) who knows what's coming down the pike. Exactly. So what has some of this waiting in the dating waters looked like for you? Yeah, it's been, it's been difficult in certain (laughs) ways because I no longer live in a big city. So also kind of over this two, these two years that I took this break from dating and was really searching inward and figuring out what I want for me and Davida, you know, as a family of two, instead of always thinking of, well, what about this other thing that's coming? And, you know, Hmm. so part of that, that soul searching was that I decided to leave the city where I've lived my whole life and move to the country, which was always something I had wondered about. And Brian and I had talked about, but I just never really, I was so settled in the city and loved my life there so much that there was never an opportunity. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, there's nothing really tying me here right now. And I think part of that was why I wanted to be alone as well, was that I think I somehow knew that I wanted to move and that it would be harder if I was in a relationship with somebody to make that big decision and be brave. And so now I live in the small town and I love it. But the problem is that it's really hard to date when you live in a small town, especially when you have a kid and you're an only parent. I've heard that a lot. Yeah. It's been interesting. It's been fun. I've been exploring different creative ways to do it. And <laughs> it's been it's actually been it's been fun as because I don't feel this pressure and I'm not yeah. putting this pressure on myself, you know? And so it kind of just has opened me up in these different ways. And I just know for me, I think whatever the right thing is for me, you know, whether it's someone completely new or this person who I already know and really care for so deeply, I think it's just going to come when I'm in this space of feeling okay for me on my own. And again, yeah. that's just, but no I love that um do you want to give us any any tidbits about what creative ways you're finding because all those small town people are looking for help (laughs) I know um well so I guess one of the ways is that I don't know it's like the same so it's like I haven't actually done this yet but actually no I did do this once is using the daytime when 
when my daughter's at school. Yeah. Because I guess I don't have a typical nine to five job. It's totally different if you do, but you know, my schedule is, is all over the place and I can kind of do what I need to do. And so, yeah, sometimes I'm just like, yeah, I'm going to go on a road trip and drive like an hour and a half to meet this person. And I like listening to podcasts. I like, you know, talking on the phone or whatever while I'm driving and just try not to look at it as annoying and maybe it's worse in the winter, but trying to look Mm -hmm. at it as fun and adventurous. So that's one thing. I haven't done that a ton, but I've thought about doing that. But then also, I guess I, I go to the city still quite frequently and my mom lives there. How far are you from the city? Two and a half hours. Okay. And my mom lives there and, you know, lives in my childhood house still. And when we're there, it's like I have full-time help with D and I'm in the city. So that's when I'll do a lot of that stuff too. Like not only dating, but friends and whatever. And then, and then I've been trying more again, I was really inspired by you, something you posted in your stories about, about um, our kids and sort of being more upfront and direct about asking people for support. And mm-hmm. I think for a long time, I felt like it was hard for me to do that. And yeah. I felt really guilty about it. And like, I was just, oh, you know, poor Davida, I'm just giving her to this person and giving her to that person. And it just something about what you said just helped shift the narrative. I think you said, it's like they're broken in a certain way. And the only way to fix that is for them to practice that skill of being away from you and then coming back to you and then being mm-hmm. away from you back and it's actually I think something about that just helped shift my perspective where I was like not only is it good for me but it's maybe good for her yeah and that really helped me and so since then I've been a lot better like recently I just left her with with Brian's mom actually and I was just mm-hmm. like I went for three days and I mm-hmm. met up with somebody and it was super fun and yeah so I'm I trying to be that. better about you have to be comfortable driving and going on adventures if you live yeah. in a small town and want to date you just that's it. You know, you have to. So yeah, that's kind of how I've been doing it. I love it. Um, okay. I really want to talk to you for like seven hours, but in the interest of time, I think we have to get to the quick questions. Okay. Okay. When you did, or now that you're doing online dating, which apps did you use or are using? I've only ever used Bumble and Hinge. Okay. And I don't think I've ever actually gone on a date with anyone from Hinge. So I think Bumble has been the the big one for me. Okay. What do you like about it? I don't like it. (laughs) (laughs) I actually hate online dating. I just feel like I just get, I just get so annoyed with it, with having to like shop for humans. Mm -hmm. But I, I, I I totally understand that it's, it's a good way to do things these days, but I don't know. All right. Do you put your widow status on the profile? No, but I was actually considering changing that. Um, mm. But so far I haven't. But I I usually tell them pretty quickly. Okay. I mean, it usually comes up in some way because even if someone asks me what I do, what my job is, and then I, I'm like, well, I, it's like all grief related. So then it's like, oh, and the reason is because, you know. Yeah. Husband. Okay. Do you see yourself getting married again someday? Um. I don't know. The way that I look at marriage is just like long-term committed partnership. And I, I think I, yes, I do. I don't know if I'll like get married, but I, I think that I will have another partner. Okay. And if you are in a committed relationship, do you see yourself having more babies? I'm open to it still, Mm -hmm. but I'm not desperate for it the way that I was. Okay. Have you, or do you consider sexual experiences with genders other than your husband's? 
I definitely am open to it, but so far that dream has not been realized. (laughs) Okay. Do you have sleepovers in your bed that you shared with Brian? Yes. I mean, I got rid of that bed when I moved out of my apartment in Toronto. I was just like, good riddance bed, bye-bye. Yeah. And I got a new bed that I wanted I wanted to get a new bed anyways. But before that, I had, yes, had sleepovers in it with other okay. people. Could you date someone who is named Brian or let's even say like has his aura sort of and just looks like him? Yeah, for sure. Yes. And I have actually dated someone named Brian. Mm. And I would say I would definitely prefer that the person not have that name. I I didn't I didn't like the fact that it was yeah. the same name, but I it wouldn't deter like I just feel like it's not it's not enough that it would deter me if I met someone who I really liked and ha- and someone with Brian's aura, I think I would love that. I think that yeah. would be amazing. Mm. Okay, good. Do you think that like four months jump into dating, did that have to do with the widow's fire or did you feel that or are you feeling it? Yeah, for me, it definitely, yes, for sure. And for me, it definitely comes in waves. So it's like, sometimes I really feel it, but if I'm feeling really heavy and griefy and I'm in a thing with grief, I don't feel it. Mm. Um, I kind of wish I did. I know some widows do. It's like when they're in the depths of it, like that's when the widow's fire comes up the most. And it's Mm. like, I almost wish that was me. But so far when I'm really in a grief zone, I'm not thinking about that stuff. Yeah. Can I ask you one like sex related question? Yeah, please. Okay. So I think there's so many different experiences that people have when they have sex after their person dies, right? So I'm wondering have you had good and bad experiences or mostly good? Or can you just give us like a short overview of what that's been like for you? The sex. Yeah. I haven't had a bad experience. It wasn't like when I kissed that guy, like the first time I had sex was good. It was, yeah. it didn't trigger me in some crazy way. It was a good first sex yeah. as a widow kind of experience. Yeah. In general, I'd say that Brian and I, our sex was very good. We had really consistently really, really good sex. And so the bar is set very high Mm -hmm. for me that way. And I guess I, yeah, I, I, I just, that's something I think about getting into another partnership. I'm like, will it, will it sustain itself the way that our sex did? And I think Brian really kept the that alive. Like I think that, that the fact that our sex life was so good for seven years was because of him. Like he really was the one who like kept it really new and exciting. And so sometimes I think about how I can take that away from our relationship and try to do that in another relationship with somebody else. Hmm. can I be that person now who finds ways that to do that because I've seen how someone else did that for me yeah and maybe somebody else will do it for you again maybe yeah interesting let's talk about your song recommendations so one song that I am loving right now do you know the song have a little faith in me by John so there's this new cover that came out this year and the band is called Smell but it's spelt like S-Y-M-L. Okay. I love that song so much. My Actually, my uncle, when Brian died, was like, this song, just I feel like Brian is sending you this song. And then my uncle ended up sen- singing it at Brian's funeral. Mm. And so whenever I hear it, I really 
I just love the lyrics and it's like I really feel like Brian it's like it to me it embodies him just sort of like being so proud of me and and urging me on in this life and being like no matter what like just go for it I'll catch you I'm here for you Mm -hmm. like you know love again do whatever I'm always here like that can never change kind of thing um and so when I when I heard the new cover, I was like, oh my God, a new cover. And mm-hmm. then I looked up this band. I'd never heard of this guy. And like the guy who did this cover, Smell or whatever, it's like, it means like simple in Welsh or something. And oh. he and that was something like Brian was always just like reminding me about to like bring things down to the simple, like simplicity, simplicity. Mm-hmm. That's something I've just been focusing on so much in my grief is like simplicity, simplicity and everything. Just keep it simple. It doesn't have to be so complicated. Just what are like the the things that really matter? That's been a huge part of my grief journey. Mm-hmm. And like the guy's name is Brian. Oh my gosh. And all of these things. And yeah, it's so I was just you. like, yeah, I feel like that song is like, I don't know. I love that. I, I can't wait to hear it. And I love that song to begin with. So it's so beautiful. Yeah. Did you have a second one? Well, the other song that I love, I think, is the, the is the one that Dana chose, I believe. Because I, oh. I think when I listened to her episode, I was like, yes, that's my song. I'm going to use that one, Dana. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm pretty sure it's an Avid Brothers song yes. called No Feelings. Yeah. I'm saying that one too, because even though she did it, it's mine too. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Just one last question. What are you most looking forward to? I am really, really, I was like, oh, should I say this? But I'm really looking forward to being in another partnership again. And I I don't, again, I don't feel that like urgency of it happening right away. But I just loved being with Brian so much. I loved being just loving him so much and feeling all of his love and having his comfort and the connection and just that person who's behind you all the time. Cherishing you. Oh, yeah, I look forward to having that again one day. And I think yeah. I will. Is there something non-relationship related that you debated also saying? I mean, that was the honestly the first thing that came to mind. But for something that's non-relationship related that I'm excited about, I mean, I'm excited for all of the the career stuff that I'm launching for sure. I'm very nervous, but I have a bunch of stuff changing and developing in that area right now too. And I'm very excited about all of that as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited for you about all that. Yeah. I just feel like because I have this opportunity to sit with you and I don't want to like speak for everybody, but I just feel like I want to say thank you because your work is like, I'm going to cry. It's <laughs> oh. very transformative, you know, for like lots of people. And you're so raw. I never cry doing this. <laughs> <laughs> you're just so real and honest and raw. And, you know, when you're like in the depth of grief and then you see somebody else who's processing it so beautifully and you're so introspective and you feel seen and, held and loved. And I think that's why like at the beginning of our conversation, when I said like, I feel like we're good friends, even though we're not really like, you know, we are, but like, it's just because you have this amazing ability to connect with people in what you're doing. And just thank you so much. Oh, you're so sweet. Thank you. That means so much to me. Ah, this was great. (laughs) (laughs) thank you friend 
You're so welcome. Thank you. Well, shoot, I've done it again. I've gone over an hour, which I promised I wasn't going to do, but I couldn't help myself. You just can't cut Mira short. She has so many wonderful things to say. So just like Mira is totally authentic in the way she talks about grief, she was also super open and authentic in talking about her dating life and sex and all of the things that come along with it. So thank you to Mira for that wonderful episode. If you happen to be a widowed woman and you are looking for something light and a distraction, something fun to do, a group of us are going to Costa Rica in April and we are actually having our first Zoom hangout to get to know each other a little bit early in November. If you've been considering taking the trip, this would be a great time to sign up so you can join us in that Zoom call. If you don't know anything about it, you can click the link in my Instagram bio. The information is there. Thank you all so much for being here, and that's it for this week. 